This is the Retirement Detective Podcast, where we dive into cases with Philip Mock, chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner professional, to solve common retirement and financial planning questions. Get insight into how to solve quandaries that appear on the path to and through retirement, ideas on how to approach savings and investing for retirement, and how to plan for retirement in a tax-efficient manner. Now, here's your host and lead retirement detective, Philip Mock. Hi, everyone. It's Philip Mock here with the Retirement Detective Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to look at money market funds and ask the question, what is a money market fund? How does it compare to cash? How does it compare to a CD? And how does it compare to a treasury? All of which are sort of considered safe, liquid investments, which is better, which is worse. Well, that sort of depends on your personal situation, but today we will look at generally what are they and highlight some of the features of each so that you can kind of deduce which might be best in your situation. Money market funds have been around for about 50 years. The first Money market fund was established in 1971 and uh, was offered to investors that wanted to try to preserve capital and make a little bit of interest. At the time, there were some interesting rules, one of which was called Regulation Q, and it prohibited certain types of deposit accounts from paying interest and capped interest on certain other types of bank accounts. And so money market funds were created as a way to uh, sort of get around this rule. Reg Q is very interesting. It's worth a study all in its own. If you look at the interest rate spike that we had in the 1980s, it has a lot to do with the history of Reg Q, which might be another episode one day, but... For now, just know that money market funds were originated as a way to get around some interesting banking rules at the time that severely capped the amount of interest that a bank account could pay. So fast forward to today, and money market funds are basically a a type of mutual fund. As you'll recall from other episodes, a mutual fund is a basket of investments that are held and owned uh, by different people. Different people own shares of that basket, a percentage of that basket. And that basket of securities is managed by a, a professional money manager whose job it is to invest those funds. When you, quote, buy or sell mutual fund shares, you're really redeeming them back and forth with the mutual fund company. Now, you may do this through an intermediary, so there might be a, an in-between step, but really, mutual fund shares are redeemed. You give them a share back, and that therefore makes the number of shares outstanding less. The existing owner's ownership grows slightly. When people buy shares, that makes more outstanding, and people's ownership gets slightly smaller, However, it's offset by the contribution. So if 
you buy $10,000 of a mutual fund, the combined ownership of everyone else is at first seems like it might be $10,000 less in the aggregate, except you gave them $10,000 cash to invest. So it all kind of balances out. Money market funds are no different. We commonly think of mutual funds in terms of stock funds or bond funds, but money market funds are a type of open-ended mutual fund. A lot of people consider money market funds to sort of be an equivalent to cash, and I would say that it is not. Also, I would say it is not an equivalent to a CD or a treasury, but they are very similar in the role that they play in your portfolio, but there are some really important differences to keep in mind. Now, let's start with the other things and we'll come back around to a money market fund because I think it will be easier to explain a money market fund through its differences from these other types of investments rather than starting with a money market fund. So let's start with the easiest one, cash. Cash is Cash, it's a, you know, you have it in your wallet, you have it under the mattress, you have it in a bank account. Cash is cash. We pretty much all know what that is. I'm not going to belabor it, but cash on itself is nothing more than a promise of value from the United States government. You go to the store and you want to buy a cantaloupe, for instance, and it's, let's say it's $3. So you give the store $3 and you have a cantaloupe. They're deemed equivalent in value. You want to go buy a new nice sedan, maybe that's $50,000. You give them $50,000, they give you the car. It's deemed equivalent in value. Cash on its own does not earn interest. You have to deploy it somewhere where it might, like in a bank account or in a money market fund or buying a treasury or something like that. But cash on its own does not really earn interest. So for those of you that have a lot of cash, there is a desire to earn interest. And that's kind of what brings us to some of these other vehicles. A U.S. Treasury is a debt of the United States government. You give the U.S. Treasury maybe $500,000 and you pick a term, let's say it's two years, you give them $500,000 over the course of two years, they pay you interest, and at the end of the two-year period, you get your $500,000 back. So, effectively, you lent the government money, they paid you interest for it, and at the end of the term, you get your money back. U.S. Treasuries are deemed pretty safe, but admittedly, the U.S. could default, and if the government failed or the U.S. defaulted on its debt, you might not be paid that interest, and you might not be paid your principal back at the end of the term. That's the same as with any other fixed income instrument, um, like a corporate bond or a municipal bond, for instance. A CD is a certificate of deposit. You generate this investment through a bank. So you go to a bank and you'd say, I would like to open a CD, please. You fill out some paperwork, you pick your term, maybe it's a three-month CD, a one-year CD, two-year, three-year, five-year, whatever. Sign the paperwork, and in exchange for you giving them your money, let's say it's $100,000, you give them $100,000, 
and they pay you interest on that 100,000 and at the end of the term, they give you your $100,000 back or maybe you choose to renew it and do it all over again, but you'd have the option to get your money back. A CD is, uh, since it's at a bank, you have the FDIC insurance protection up to the limit. And I have another episode on that, so go check it out. But the FDIC limit would cover anything in a CD up to that amount uh, without consideration of other accounts owned by the same um, taxpayer. So that's let's assume the only account that you have at this bank is the CD. Then it would be insured up to the threshold limit for the FDIC insurance coverage and anything over that uh, might be at risk. If it's at a credit union, you have NCUA coverage, which works pretty similarly. It's the same concept as the treasury, but the guarantor is a little different. So with the treasury, you're hoping that the government doesn't fail over the life of that treasury and you get your money back. With a CD, you're hoping that the bank doesn't fail and if it does fail, as long as you're below the limit, then you have the insurance coverage, which then kind of goes circularly back to the U.S. government because for the FDIC insurance to work, the government has to be functional. So you're kind of, you have a almost like a an insurer and then a reinsurer. You are, you're hoping that the bank covers it. Uh, and if not, then the FDIC will cover it. But if the FDIC can't cover it, that would be because the U.S. failed. And at that point... We're getting to a pretty draconian scenario. CDs are generally considered about equivalent in terms of safety to a treasury as long as they're below that FDIC limit. Now, if they're above that limit and the bank failed, you most likely would be out your money. So uh, money at a bank that exceeds the FDIC limit would certainly be riskier than owning a treasury. Now, to be really clear, Owning a U.S. Treasury is not 100% safe. You have, like I mentioned, the risk that the government either defaults or fails completely. And we were recently in a scenario with the government possibly defaulting. So this is not a, a far-fetched scenario. It's, it's real and it could happen. But nonetheless, the U.S. is deemed one of the safest places to put your money as compared to other countries. Money market funds come in because there's a problem with a CD and a treasury. With a CD, if it's a CD at a bank, like your bank around the corner, you need your money back, you have to wait for the term to be over. If you take it out too soon, then you might have to pay an early termination penalty to close the CD early. A treasury has a maturity date, and if you want your money back without potentially um, having a loss in terms of principal, you'd have to wait till maturity. Now with a treasury, you'd have the option that you might be able to sell it in the marketplace to another investor, and you may actually make a profit on it, but you might also make a loss. And But they are at least fairly liquid. In terms of government securities, treasuries are one of the most liquid securities in the world. Some CDs called brokered CDs are also quite liquid. You can sell those in the marketplace. But if you got your CD at your local bank around the corner, that's not a brokered CD. 
if you got your CD through a brokerage account like Fidelity or Schwab or one of the other ones, then that probably is a brokered CD and you can probably sell it. But in order to sell it, you're probably going to take a bit of a hit on price. So it's it, it's not a situation where you can get out of that CD or treasury with a 100% guarantee that you're going to get your money back. You might make a profit. It's certainly possible that you could sell it for more than what you bought it for. But there's also an equal possibility that you don't. That's where money market funds come in. So money market funds are a mutual fund that are designed to kind of bridge between cash and, in my opinion, buying treasuries and CDs. Here's why. A money market fund, over 99% of the time, is daily liquidity. So you sell, you you go to your brokerage and you say, I want to sell $50,000 of money market so I can have cash tomorrow because I'm maybe buying a car. You enter the sell on a Tuesday and you have your cash on Wednesday. So you have daily liquidity without any price impact. Most money market funds, there are exceptions that we will talk about, but most money market funds are at what I would call dollar parity. So they have a price at all times of $1. So you, you go and you buy it. Let's say you bought it three years ago for a dollar, 50,000 for a dollar, 50,000 shares at $1 each. You have 50,000 shares that is at $1 each. Three years later, if you had all of your interest paid to cash instead of reinvested in the money market fund, you would again be selling 50,000 shares. That was a dollar each. And so the price is not designed to change. Now, in times of great crisis, it is possible that it might change. And we're only talking here about retail money market funds. There is something called an institutional money market fund and some of those do have floating nav or floating price where the it is not always exactly a dollar it may be a little more or a little less the more stable the economic and market conditions the closer to a dollar it will be the more stressful the economic and market conditions the further from a dollar it will be but for today's discussion, we're really focusing on retail money market funds, the types of money market funds that you as an investor could go out and purchase yourself. So how are they able to do this? Because they do pay interest, and often the interest is in the ballpark of where short-term treasuries and short-term CDs are. So so how do they do this? What What's in there? So... Inside of a money market fund, you'll find really, really high quality short-term investments that are, you know, if you're buying a U.S. money market fund, they're going to be U.S. investments. So the things that you find inside there, and remember, inside the mutual fund, so this is the basket of securities we're talking about, you'll probably find things like commercial paper, which we'll talk about, um, repurchase agreements, really short-term U.S. treasuries, certificates of deposit, uh, sometimes banknotes. These are all really short-term securities, 
like really short term, some of which may have a term of only overnight. So like a one day security. There's a bunch of these inside here in these money market funds, a bunch of each type. So one reason that money market funds are able to give you your money back without issue is that you, when you buy a money market fund, you're actually buying maybe hundreds or thousands of underlying instruments. And some of these are maturing on any given day. So on any given day, they have maturities that generate cash and some investors that want cash out of the fund, take that cash. And that's where that cash comes from. So the fund maybe didn't actually on the inside have to sell anything. Likewise, on the day that maybe you're wanting to sell out of the money market fund, someone else might be wanting to buy. And so they're just able to route and match the cash from buyers and sellers without really having to impact the investments that are on the inside of the mutual fund. Imagine this happening with literally thousands of transactions on a daily basis. And that's what it's like to be the manager, the portfolio manager of a money market fund. You're constantly evaluating the, the withdrawal requests, the purchase requests, and the dynamics of what's maturing on the inside of the fund. And when you net all of these out, this is what you either need to buy for the fund for the day or sell for the fund for the day. Money market funds have some objectives that are similar to CDs and treasuries, for instance. Their, their goal is really twofold. Number one, their goal is to be stable and try to keep that price at a dollar. So if you compare it to a stock, the price of a stock goes up and down all the time, but the price of the money market fund is supposed to remain at $1. So one of the fund objectives is to accomplish that. Then there are some other rules that the United States and the regulators have imposed upon money market funds. And those include that they have to buy really high quality securities. So can't be anything below investment grade or even really approaching below investment grade. They must remain diversified. They must have a dollar weighted portfolio maturity of no more than 60 days. That means that the, if you were to average how long it takes for each instrument to mature inside the portfolio, then it cannot be more than 60 days. Therefore, there are some instruments inside the money market fund that have longer maturities than 60 days and some that have less, but on average, it can't be more than 60 days. So that's about two months. Also, they're not allowed to invest in any security whose effective maturity exceeds 13 months. Technically, it says 397 days, but that's about 13 months. And lastly, they're required to have liquidity available. So that's that cash I was talking about before to fund the redemption requests of investors. So they cannot below, go below a certain threshold. So when you're buying a money market fund, keep in mind that you're buying something that's really high quality, very short term in terms of maturity, pretty liquid and well diversified. And it has built in daily liquidity. Like it's designed for you to be able to get your money back the next day. You say sell on day one, you get your money back on day two, unless it's a crazy market environment, which we've 
we've had a few of those in time. I think it's important for investors to understand money market fund, treasuries, CDs, and cash all have a unique place in the portfolio. The most liquid need, the thing you expect to need first, might possibly just need to be in cash. Like if you're going to the store and you're going to buy something, you can't say, well, hold on, I need to sell my money market fund first. I'll come pay for that tomorrow. Money market funds are, and in some cases, also not the best investment because they are investing very, very, very short term. And in normal interest rate environments where short-term investments pay less than longer-term investments, your interest income on a money market fund might not seem that great if you compared it to a CD or a treasury of even modestly longer maturity. Now, there are environments like the one we're currently in as of June 2023 where really short-term investments actually pay quite well compared to longer-term ones. But in a more normal environment, longer-term debt pays more. So you should think of money market as probably after cash, your kind of next layer of liquidity, because it has no lockup. You can have the, the next day liquidity, which isn't near, it is not as fast as cash, but it has nothing locked up longer than a day. And it pays pretty good interest. Maybe in some cases not as good as a CD or a treasury. Maybe in some cases better. But it has got many other positive characteristics like we talked about. High credit quality, diversified, etc. Now, the things it owns inside of it, commercial paper, uh, repurchase agreements, without going into a ton of details on these, imagine that these are basically ways for companies to lend money to each other on an overnight basis or for the government to lend money to banks or other companies on an overnight basis. They're really, really short-term debt notes. I mentioned there's an exception to the getting your money back business and there is a rule that says if the fund's assets that are expected to be maturing within a week fall below a certain threshold, So usually it's going to be cash, uh, really short-term notes, and anything that's payable within a business week. If the amount of the fund that is in that sort of thing that matures within a week falls below a certain threshold, then funds are allowed to slow down their redemptions. In other words, the dollar value may not change, but if you go to them and say, I need $100,000, you may not get it back right away. And this would only be in cases of extreme market duress where you would find this. Part of the portfolio manager's job is to make sure that this doesn't happen. But they can impose limits on redemptions and say, we're only going to let a certain amount of the fund be redeemed today. And if you put in a redemption request that day, you would get a pro rata or proportional percentage of what that redemption was up to the amount that you wanted. They may also impose a liquidity fee. So say, well, if you're gonna take your money out now, we're going to charge you an extra percentage. 
Again, they can only do that in extreme duress scenarios where the really liquid part of the money market fund that matures within a week falls below a certain threshold. This is why it's really important with money market funds as well as other funds to read what's called the prospectus. A prospectus is the governing document for a mutual fund or really any security, but uh, here we're talking about mutual funds. Many people think that you can go buy a money market fund and it's just as safe as cash. You can get your money back anytime, yada, yada, yada. And most of the time that is true, but you need to know that in times of extreme market duress, so think the depth of 2008, potentially March 23rd, 2020, these types of days where this sort of thing might kick in. And the kind of sad irony is that those are often the environments where people want out. So that it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. People want out and they can't because too many people want out. It's like a bank, like it's almost like a run on the bank. So these, these rules are meant to prevent, quote, a run on the mutual fund, which is why you shouldn't put, in my opinion, all of your liquid assets in money market funds. You should be diversified between cash and maybe some CDs, treasuries, other things. Uh, and generally, you don't want to put all your money in one thing of whatever it is. It's important to be diversified. But I don't think that that the lack of liquidity in times of crisis is really talked about enough, but it is there. I believe those rules are pretty consistent across uh, money market mutual funds because there's a particular rule that governs that. So I think it's the same for most of them, if not all of them, but it's worth a read. Now, please don't interpret this as my advice to go buy money market funds or sell them. But I did want to try to educate people today on kind of where they land in terms of liquidity and safety compared to cash CDs and treasuries, but those are all usually lumped in together as the quote, safe investments. Yeah, so that's pretty much our episode for today. I hope you found it to be helpful. Many portfolios have money market funds inside of them, but I think it's valuable to know that they're not exactly cash, they're not exactly treasuries, they're not exactly CDs. They're kind of their own thing with their own positives, their own negatives. And I just wanted to better educate that, educate you about those today. You can find the show notes for today's episode, as well as any links mentioned on our website at www.retirementdetective.com. I encourage you to go check it out. That's all for today's episode. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. This recording strictly is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of the Retirement Detective Podcast. The Retirement Detective Podcast is not affiliated with any guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. The Retirement Detective Podcast does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The Retirement Detective Podcast shall not be responsible 
for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions, or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decisions. This podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell securities or a solicitation for advisory services. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services, and nothing in this podcast should be relied upon as rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services. Philip Mock is not a detective or law enforcement officer, and any reference to such is for entertainment purposes only.